August 7th, 1909. Alice Ramsley and three friends become the first women to complete a transcontinental auto trip, taking 59 days to travel from New York, New York to San Francisco, California. The trip was spurred by a wild bet to lose their virginity before going to college in the fall and often hilariously diverted by their larger-than-life friend, Hoagie. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And join us. We're very excited to have uh, Gina Radcliffe's counterpart from Kill by Kill. Please welcome Patrick Hamilton, everyone. Hello, everyone. I'm, I'm so glad to be yeah, here. Yeah, you guys might yeah, thank uh, you. remember Gina from, I believe it was our spring Heel Jack episode last Halloween. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the Halloween episodes. I think it was spring Heel Jack. She made a Willy yeah. Wonka-esque version of spring Heel Jack who, like, invented slinkies <laughs> or something of that nature. Yeah, sure. That, that sounds like Gina. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm down with that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Right before we started recording, like the sun started absolutely pouring through the fucking fake skylight in our it, apartment. It looks like you're having a revelation. I'll be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, no, I'm about to be raptured, which I did not bet on at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're pulling the St. Maud on us. I'm all, I'm all I, hope, I hope Jen and the baby are going to be okay without you because it's time yeah. to go. <laughs> They'll be fine. I uh, can't believe the baby did not get raptured, but yeah. she knows what God she did. God has fucked up rules but, about babies. When are you going to get that baptism, Brian? <laughs> I have accidentally spilled, I think, iced tea on her, so oh, that, that counts, sort of yeah. counts in our Yeah, They're very washable. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, babies can babies can take yeah, a lot. Like, that was one of the you, things that sold us on her. Just, just had very washable, the last high, supper, highly <laughs> reusable. It was what uh, the bread and the Lipton were the two things that he served. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah, and and of course, uh, if the baby is Jewish, you say that's bris baby. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, <laughs> in uh, the ICP faction, it was the bread and the fago. But you know, yep, yeah, <laughs> sure. of course, uh, family for life. Yeah. Uh, Zach, what do we usually do on this this show? This is a comedy (laughs) history podcast in which uh, we discuss a person or event from history. Um, One of the people on the show gives a, uh, well, a government-sanctioned sort of Wikipedia-allowed version of that person or event. And uh, another person then gives... Perhaps an alternate version that can be as uh, batshit bananas as they want it to. Uh, As is our new uh, constant reminder, we came up with this slogan before the Trump era when alternate histories were a lot more fun. Um, We do not sanction QAnon in any way. Um, But at the end of the episode, we vote uh, on what becomes uh, the true history of this uh, iridescent, beautiful, spinning, spherical marvel we call the Earth going forward. And that's the basic gist of the podcast. Now, do you have a trademark on Earth, or is that something that anyone can pick up? Like, Because <laughs> if you're calling it Earth, like, what are other people calling it? Uh, technically, I don't always say this, uh, the revisionist world is Earth-146, uh, um, okay. <laughs> Marvel does actually acknowledge us as a legitimate Earth. Uh, I think we're getting a Disney Plus series that's still in talks. Okay, that's what any anyone wants. Maggie, you know, uh, uh, if he'll get any- back to me, uh, I've sent him a lot of emails. So <laughs> there's so many pictures of Kevin Feige just lining the walls of your room with red string. Yeah. I, uh, I guess going between them. Loki alternate timelines are, are fine, made into hearts. But uh, when two <laughs> random podcasters want their own alternate timeline show, uh, that's not profitable. I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> I'm trying. They said something about neither of us have any experience or the face to be in on television. <laughs> um, uh, Zach, Zach has a TV face. I could see Zach on oh, TV. It's very kind. Um, but maybe, maybe five. You are symmetrical. Give yourself that, you You know, soak that in. Yeah. Yeah. I've got that nice symmetry. Um, uh, regardless, we are in the middle of our series on spies, uh, Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, mm. Last time we discussed Lionel Crab, but listener, for us, we recorded that two days ago, so we fully don't have the results of that episode back yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> no fucking idea. Yeah. Uh, for a refresher, um, uh, Lionel Crab in real life disappeared uh, on a reconnaissance mission. I provided an alternate history that was a James Bond adventure that ended with the lyrics to Rock Lobster. Um, <laughs> so we are waiting. It sounds it sounds absurd when you say it like that. Yeah. <laughs> he discovered the Medusa serum. Whereas in the moment, it feels yeah. true. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's the magic of the show. Exactly. <laughs> Where 20 minutes later, you think back like, wait, what the fuck was that? <laughs> So uh, we'll we'll get back to you next episode with uh, with more results. We don't have anything new since since last we recorded two days ago. Um, but uh, I believe this episode we're going to be covering Operation Fortitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a pre D Day uh, uh, adventure, um, if you want to call it that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the subtitle. <laughs> that would be the choose your own adventure subtitle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, saving Private Ryan a post D Day adventure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was weird when when Choose Your Own Adventures in the seventies made made books about both of those, where for some reason a fourteen year old kid got wrapped up in the action. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that dog really came through in the clutch, and that's the important part. Yeah. I mean, thank God you picked up the ham sandwich on page fourteen. Otherwise, you would have gotten the bad ending. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been screwed yeah. hey, let's be honest uh, that's why you saved your place uh, I believe uh, Patrick <laughs> has the real uh, versions uh, of events this time yes yes I do so uh, without further ado Patrick would you like to elucidate us on uh, Operation Fortitude yeah cast your mind back uh, these are the black and white days of the uh, uh the Eastern Front or the Western Front of Europe, I suppose. Uh, and why I chose the real thing is that finally I could tell my dad I did something on a podcast he might be interested in <laughs> listening to. You could tell every dad that yeah. I think <laughs> it's basically point. your dad's, my dad, some real <laughs> life World dad. War II history, some the History <laughs> Channel of circa 15 years ago. That's that's dad's thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah, now it's just aliens so. and pawn stars, I yeah. think. <laughs> Ice road truckers or something. Yeah, something. Oh, well, there's lots of truckers involved. Um, so I I knew like some of this literally from like, you know, being forced to watch the History Channel in our one television in our house. So uh, <laughs> I knew the, the, the Fortitude South stuff. What I didn't really know is the Fortitude North. Um, but what all this comes down to is Operation Fortitude was warfare by catfishing. Mm. (laughs) So it is kind of a history channel. It's appropriate to history channel nowadays. Yeah, very much so. And something, again, something that boomers fall for every time. Um, So uh, Operation Fortitude uh, encompasses a lot of different things, but they're basically divided into two things, uh, uh, Fortitude North and Fortitude South. So... Um, being, uh, you know, globe centric as I am and having that privilege, I'm going North first. So, um, the, the North was focused on spycraft disinformation. Okay. So while, uh, they're basically trying to keep Germans from fully committing to one defense strategy along their so-called Atlantic wall, which, uh, you know, stretched all the way along from, uh, you know, from the top of France, uh, encompassing parts of Spain, Normandy, and the like. Uh, mm-hmm. In order to do this, they needed uh, to attack the Germans uh, where they were most vulnerable, and that was their belief that they were super intelligent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, when you read about the sheer amount of German intelligence units they all essentially started to cancel each other out because they were so thirsty for the Fuhrer's attention that they would just give him anything they got. <laughs> and on the other end of this, you have a, a ter- one particular point here that the basically wins the Allies the war. And that is that the British managed to turn every single spy that Germany sent to them. <laughs> 
I mean, they, they flipped them like pancakes. I, it was insane. I will say. They had just no traction. I think it's, I think it's a continuous theme among um, fascists and or Nazis that they are very convinced of their own intelligence. And <laughs> yet also yes. they're represented by like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Donald Trump. <laughs> as paragons of intellect the times change the fashions might be different the the colors might be more festooned but ultimately it all comes down to a bunch of people who are convinced they've got the real goods and it's all and in terms of fashion i'm sorry but i gotta go with the 40s one who wore hugo boss over over (laughs) this modern like dan flashes shit that's going on today Well, but I bought a shirt from Dan Flashes that's two thousand dollars. It's got to be great. Anyways, so the UK has it's two groups here. You got MI5, MI6, and they're both working a couple different angles here. So you have all of these double agents they've flipped, and they're feeding these people all this information, specifically pointing the Germans to an invasion that's going to come at uh, Pas de Calais. Okay, mm-hmm. and it it makes sense because that's like the shortest distance between uh, Britain and the European shore, right? Mm-hmm. The landmass. So it makes sense in a lot of ways. So uh, they use what they call the double cross system. Um, <laughs> they use their spies to feed information. Those that information is transmitted via these little pop-up trucks full of radio equipment to German high command. And all the while, because the uh, British had broken the Enigma coding machine system, they could actually verify what the Germans believed and what, if, if like, uh, stuff started to fail, like they, they told a joke that didn't fly, they're like, all right, I don't know, you needed workshop. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> they're basically open micing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, how can, how, we need a new punchline. We need, like, the angle works, but we need a new lander. And <laughs> the guy that you always hear about uh, in this sort of rigmarole is a Portuguese fellow, or actually, he's, he's, he's uh, from Spain. Uh, named Juan Pujol Garcia, who was based in Portugal, which was a neutral country in this conflict. Mm. His nickname was Garbo. And he had a wonderful talent, which was to make up very believable lies. So according to him, in the German high command, he was running like 30 double agents within the British government and allied command. None of these people were real. None of them. <laughs> But the Germans were so convinced, like, they they gave him the Iron Cross. They're like, you're great. <laughs> like, please keep paying me money, you dipshits. And so well, they and did. also, like, in addition to just being very stupid, so much of, like, German, like, not just Hitler, but, like, the German high command and even most of the military were on so many amphetamines That's at this true. point. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the uh, war is a moving beast. It's really, you gotta keep up with it, baby. I believe. And sleep is the enemy. And also the, the British are the enemy. And the Americans but now. Oh, we've really fucked sometimes. up. Sometimes. We haven't really won over France. Occasionally, sleep is the uh, the ally, apparently. Because I have read uh, fairly reliable sources that on the day of the D-Day invasion, Hitler slept in and had strict orders not to be awakened under any circumstances. So their response was delayed because no one wanted to wake up Hitler and tell him that D-Day was happening. Can you imagine trying to win a war and you're the highest person on your totem pole is like, today's the day I sleep in and you lose the war. One of my favorite self-care is important. One of my favorite things is readdressing Hitler, reappropriating him as not like this Hannibal Lecter-esque genius, but actually he's like a fascist Forrest Gump who just happened (laughs) to fall into this, this high role. Um, so yeah, because they had all their fingers in the Germans pie, like, they Delicious. I mean, listen, if you've been to Berlin, you know, they know how to do meat. They make a, they make a good pie. They really do. And sausage. It's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I had the best burger of my life there. Anyway. Hey, um, Hamburg, Hamburg. There's a reason that's got the name. Listen, they do good stuff. 
Uh, now, now, I want to make that very clear. Yeah, present tense. Now, I'm not uh, boosting uh, the Nazis' ability to make a hamburger. Well, to be fair, um, when you had that burger, I imagine Hitler was not in power. Hey, folks, just jumping in because a little bit of Patrick's audio came back uh, pretty garbled and extremely difficult to listen to, only about uh, 20 or 30 seconds. So I'm just going to summarize it for you. Um, so what it comes down to at this point is they're trying to convince the Nazis that the attack will be huge in a way they can't handle. Uh, that's where we get into Fortitude South, which is around the southern UK and the English Channel. The Germans had spy planes in this area, so they were going to try and fool these spy planes into thinking the invasion was much larger than it actually was. And since the spy planes were basically just people looking over the edge of their planes, uh, they could do this with pretty simple tactics like inflatable tanks, canvas landing craft, and styrofoam guns. Um, and that is where the audio uh, comes back. So we're taking you back to the show. Uh, so uh, one of the things that they, they really screwed with the, the Nazis is that they not only made these fake tanks and, and, and turrets and, and, and troop placements <laughs> and all this stuff. It's all just blow up stuff. Yeah, uh, and, and like it's like, uh, you know how they often say that um, people like have a sexual fetish for weaponry. <laughs> this is literally blow up dolls of yes, yeah. of tanks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they all got them from one weird dude's basement. <laughs> uh, and on top of that, like the camper, the thing that really convinced them that the first U.S. Army group in Kent was like a real thing and that they just had an unbelievable force just ready to invade Padakali was they put General Patton in charge of the force. Hmm. And the mm -hmm. Nazis just ate it up at this point. Like, how could, like, Patton's their big dog, right? So if they're putting him in charge, this is where the action is going he's, to happen. He's the main guy. He yes. stands in front of big American flags. <laughs> very much yeah. so. <laughs> That's what it, he's played by George C. Scott. Like right. he's very commanding. <laughs> if you watch the Changeling. Meanwhile, who's good. played by who plays Eisenhower? J.K. Simmons. <laughs> These days, hey, yeah, don't I disrespect Simmons. Yeah, actually, don't yeah, no, Simmons. <laughs> no, that's true. He could beat that man the shit has an Oscar and he deserved it. <laughs> yeah, he's very Stanley very Tucci. Scary. I'm I'm only thinking of bald actors now. That's the problem. This is not Mark Strong. His J. Jonah Jameson is the gold standard and forever will be. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. There, there is no other. So, uh, the, now this had uh, and while there are certain groups within the Germans who were like, uh, I don't think this is gonna is gonna fly, and they were. Continuing to build up the Atlantic Wall, they uh, they managed to both convince the Germans and confuse them because they would attack shipping and rail routes to these other possible landing sites, and that would they would hear back like they're convinced like they they must be invading here. Why else would they try to cut off the railways in and out? Well, it mm -hmm. it had a twofold effect because not only did it convince the Nazis. But it, it froze those uh, troops in place, all those supplies, all the armory, all the manpower. They couldn't get them elsewhere once the actual invasion happened on June 6th because they were stuck. They were frozen into place. Hmm. They continued this hmm. with, with stuff like Codename Window, where the RAF would just <laughs> drop uh, pieces of aluminum <laughs> that would just confuse radar screens <laughs> and you're like, okay that i thought just like on people's heads <laughs> basically well they didn't worry about people seeing it on the ground they only worried about the radar because the germans were convinced that radar could not be fooled again stupid people <laughs> do, <laughs> believe what is on a screen now hold on if it doesn't matter that it's not real, if they see it on the screen, they still believe it. I, I, this matters not now. We've we've grown past it in the age of the internet. But once upon a time, this was true. Um, he also had Operation Taxable and Glimmer, and they would use like fake boats and chaff to kind of like keep all the troops to the north and south of Normandy Beach, and then they had Operation Titanic 
which would just use like bum bombing runs that would give the impression that, okay, here come the troops and they're landing right here in Cannes. No, 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 no. They're landing in Pas de Calais. And the Germans just couldn't handle it. And now they have all of these uh, German uh, uh, spy agencies who are all competing with one another to get the next scoop. And they're just feeding the high command with the dumbest information possible. And by hook or by crook, like, you know, it didn't make D-Day a cakewalk by any measure, but like that. <laughs> I, no, I, I don't think anyone landed. It was like, wow, wow this, this is, is <laughs> it's refreshing. Oh my God. It's a great day to golf here. I mean, I don't know why I packed all this stuff. This yeah, that's why <laughs> commonly you'll see people say, you know, uh, Sunday D-Day is the phrase that you have when you want to go out to brunch. <laughs> right. Especially if you want it to be unsuccessful on the first day and then walk over a lot of dead bodies on day two yeah. to brunch. <laughs> uh, and Mimosas like, are a hallmark of, of D-Day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but because they were spread so thin, what the Allies really did was instead of having all front, uh, you know, force where they just over, you know, just tried to throw everything they possibly could at each of the places that the Germans were, they pierced the balloon. They just popped through one area and then flooded it and sealed mm -hmm. off the Germans with the seas to their backs. And, it, you know, it took uh, it took a couple months, but before you knew it, like because France really didn't enjoy their time uh, under Hitler's rule. Uh, they had <laughs> not a lot of trouble going through France and knocking on Germany's door uh, quickly after. Like, but all of these, all of these machinations helped make that happen. It was not one thing. And certainly you cannot discount the, the, the men who landed on that beach that day. But in order for them not to be completely repelled, all these things had to work, and thank goodness they did. Yeah. And also, definitely helped that the Nazis were drugged-up sure. idiots. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> almost to a man. And drugged-up idiots who almost, like, they, it almost worked. If they, hadn't, like, if they hadn't believed their own BS and they hadn't invaded Russia in winter. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say it, man. Uh, you know... It'll be the only time, I think, in my life that I say this. But, man, thanks, Meth. You did, you did your job <laughs> this one time. You really came yeah, through Yeah, that, that's the slogan, Meth. Maybe just once. <laughs> Parentheses, if you're a Nazi. And, but why can't, oh, if you're like, a Nazi as have, much as possible. We have plenty of meth yeah. in this country. Why can't we beat American Nazis with meth? You know they have it. Sure. But for some <laughs> reason, it doesn't seem to decimate their ranks any because they're not a unified force. They're a bunch of dorks running around in cosplay. Hey, now. Yeah, well, you you need... I do suspect that if we tried to drip feed American Nazis false information, um, it would be surprisingly easy for to make them fall for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of the problem is also, like, you need enough meth to handle like the meth Nazis, but then there are the Nazis who are like the the Chardonnay Nazis. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, sort of oh, the, the um, Stephen Millers, yeah, 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 right. exactly. And so you need like some sort of high class. I guess Coke. I guess Coke. Well, uh, maybe or might just be alcohol. It. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or enough bulletproof coffee or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> What these people yeah. drink. <laughs> Morphine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that... It's such, like, a fucking high school props department when you see the pictures <laughs> yeah. of, like... They're not the believable enough on the ground. That's absolutely no. for sure. But they didn't really have to worry about it. Like, all they had to do was make enough of an impression and really not give away the farm. Because the, yeah. the clock was not on their side here, they couldn't they couldn't dance no. about this forever. So they really had to move at a certain point, and you know they were able to pull it off. You know, Lord willing. 
Uh, Patrick, thank you very much for your true account of Operation Fortitude. Um, we're going to swivel over to Brian's alternate account now. Yeah. Yeah, so um, through through my research, I've found some things that sort of fill in the background of Operation uh, Fortitude a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and namely it starts because when, like, British military and British intelligence sort of formulated this plan, the thing they needed was someone to manufacture a bunch of, like, blow-up tanks and, like, wood airplanes and fucking styrofoam machine guns. Right, so you you meet up with your local whoopee cushion guy and you go, can you scale up? (laughs) Oh, we'll get there. (laughs) So, um, they also, so, like, they turned to some sort of, they were sort of like underground a little bit, but like well-known underground pranksters. Uh, these two brothers, uh, Edmund and Spencer Barry. Okay. Um, they were sort of, they were big on YouTube sure. at the time. They were <laughs> sure. practical jokers, but yeah. uh, the U.S. government came a calling and said, will you be practical for us? <laughs> <laughs> no, this being. That's a weird, that's Britain, like from the. I assume it's yield oh, YouTube though. Yeah, it was actually oh, it was a sure. it was a cardboard tube that you just yelled <laughs> it was, into. It was thou tube. Yeah, <laughs> thou tube. <laughs> um, <laughs> that also like I think you just pitched like the only viable impractical jer- Joker's Valentine card. <laughs> um, Quick, get on the phone to True TV. They're they're waiting yeah. for your call. <laughs> but like the the Barry brothers, they um they sort of pioneered like. They did like the first prank telegram, and uh, um, they came up with like they poured sugar. Did it say, and, did it say Baba Booey, Baba Booey? <laughs> um, and it's it's sort of lost to time. Um, oh, fair enough. Did it probably did say Baba is Booey. Is that what we're going yeah. for? <laughs> they poured sugar in like in like gas tanks, and which was hard because of response, rationing. The response to was your ice box is your ice box running is. No. It's just ice in a box. I don't know what that. <laughs> it's not really mechanical. I mean, you put the ice on top, and it essentially, you know, circulates air. There's no running happening. Yeah. Also, it's hard if you just have to like lean in someone's window and say it, and then run away because you don't know their phone number. Um, but yeah, they um. So to but to get like the contract to uh, manufacture the equipment, they needed to just like. It's just paperwork. They had to like officially incorporate. Um, so they made a shell company called the. Um, let me uh, make sure I can read this. The Albion Corporation for Manufactured Equipment, um, which popularly was known as Acme. Um, and sure. the the two brothers eventually led like the two divisions because mm-hmm. uh, Spencer w- was in charge of the decoys. So a lot of the manufacturing of the, the tanks and the planes, uh, things like that. Uh, Edmund led the lesser-known uh, sabotage department, um, which was sort of – it was responsible for setting up, like, front businesses in access-controlled territories and supplying the Nazis with equipment that was designed to backfire. Um, like a um, – like And or cigars, I imagine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Once you lit them, perhaps uh, gum that's a little mousetrap. I think was particularly popular there. <laughs> popular at parties, I'm, I'm told. Yeah, like a, a punching bag on a spring that when you like unplugged it, it went backwards at you. <laughs> sure. Um, or just like birdseed filled with grape shot that when the British ate it, uh, the Germans tried to use a magnet to catch them, uh, but the magnet only attracted a bunch of TNT. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Yeah. Also, British soldiers eat birdseed. I guess <laughs> when you're just watching fucking YouTube compilations of Wiley e. Coyote videos, you kind of start to lose the thread a little bit. It, it, yeah. The label "super genius" gets thrown around a lot when it comes to Wiley e. Coyote, and creativity-wise, absolutely. On the practical side, he needed a project manager. Yeah. No. He he was very much like the. The name of whatever the guy is who founded WeWork, uh, but he needed someone like he needed someone on the other side. Sure, yeah. he needed like an Elizabeth Holmes sort of. 
<laughs> a deep-throated woman. <laughs> sure. Speaking of, have you guys That's ever, my favorite Carlos Santana song. Have you guys ever read Under Commandant Coyote's uh, testimony at Nuremberg? It's <laughs> no. very interesting. Listen, a lot of people put their lives on lines to you know, forward these things. They climbed into fake cows and were, you know, <laughs> taken advantage of. Uh, sometimes, you know, you ended up enjoying such adventures, but ultimately, that's not what you got into Spycraft for. It was a fringe benefit at best. I'm just, I am picturing someone walking around in, two people, I guess, in a fake cow <laughs> costume. Just like humming God Save the, God Save the King. Um <laughs> But, um, yeah, and they're, um, they're, um, it worked. Like, their company was very successful. And they continued um, after the war. Um, but the, the, sabotage, um, the sabotage division sort of lost its guiding force when uh, Edmund Berry died during an anvil experiment. Mm. Uh, he had rabies. <laughs> um, so, but... Uh, decoys uh, under Spencer uh, continued, and the like. The war was over at that point, and so they needed to like diversify. So it was less like blow up tanks and more like rubber vomit, uh, fake poop, uh, mm-hmm. like you said. Um, and so y'all got fake poo. Yeah, yeah all, y'all got fake poo. <laughs> um, classic. Um, so, and eventually they opened, of course, a chain of brick and mortars called Spencer's Gifts. Sure. Um, and uh, they did also stay with military contracting on the side uh, while running. Very different, off, off, uh, unrelated. Based on their, prof- like, their love of puns and their titles, how is Rick and Morty never made a brick and mortar reference <laughs> in one Morty. of their episode titles? <laughs> I, I mean, because what are they? What story does that suggest? <laughs> <laughs> Where does that like plot go? I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure somebody opens a shop and it sells some fucking time travel sci-fi bullshit that they can do. Yeah. That actually that sounds like Rick describing what's going on in the fucking. <laughs> it's in whatever you put the on the whiteboard. You don't necessarily use it for that episode, sure. but when it comes up, like you are aren't like that bullet is in the <laughs> oh, chain. That one works. Yeah, and yeah. then fucking Dan Harmon makes you do the fucking story circle for it or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever his fucking thing is. I haven't watched Rick and Morty since season one. I don't know. That's, <laughs> is he still on it? Yeah, of okay. yeah, he's on it. Okay. Um, so um, Acme stayed with uh, military contracting, like I said, uh, and deception. And in uh, 2002, uh, they were contacted by uh, Donald Rumsfeld, uh, Paul Wolfowitz, and Dick Cheney um, about possibly uh, putting some inflatable WMDs in oh, Iraq. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, they, did, they did take the contract. But um, Edmund, uh, Edmund Bear, who was still handling all this himself. Yeah, still alive. Wow. Still alive. Yes. Um, was uh, actually killed on the way over to Kuwait uh, in his uh, private jet when an anvil hit it. <laughs> um, and that is, that is the alternate history of Operation Fortitude. It's really weird. We mentioned Eisenhower earlier, and he had... Mm warned America of the military industrial inflatable complex. And <laughs> yes. we didn't listen. We didn't listen. And we should, we should. Well, at that it. point, everyone was like, sure, sure, Dwight, you're <laughs> everything's <Whatevs>. okay. <laughs> I believe he even talked about how even at the time in the fifties, we had sent an anvil into space and we did not know when or where it would land. Uh, it's, <laughs> The uncertainty of the future and the greed and uh, overreach of, of the weapons. Our destiny history. was in the stars, Zach. All right. Uh-huh. The it only is... way to really explore it is via anvil. Okay. I think we've, I think we've learned that in the past couple of weeks. You throw of course, of dead weight into space and all of a sudden becomes much more valuable. Some of the pictures from Apollo 11, you look at them, you can see the anvil yeah, sure. if you zoom in. It's it's circling the earth, waiting for its time. <laughs> that was actually, I think, what hit Sandra Bullock's ship in gravity. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it bounced <laughs> off the plane back up into space. I mean, who could have and seen then, that? You, that's why she holds up a sign that just says, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I really, it's sort of ironic to me that people at the time, like at the end of Eisenhower's presidency, were treating him as the old man that Ronald Reagan was for most of his presidency. <laughs> just like a confused senile old git basically (laughs) um ironic and sad (laughs) because we didn't listen to one and then listened way too closely to another (laughs) sure um but that is the alternate history of operation fortitude with our requisite reagan bashing so put it on the board thank you very much brian yeah we try and we try and uh make sure every episode that you know that reagan sucks shit um (laughs) Uh, but thank you very much for your alternate history, Brian. Uh, before we proceed to um, final judgments and the conclusion of the show, uh, we're going to take a brief detour into Plugsland, and um, <laughs> which is also an adult toy store located at the corner, <laughs> and our sponsor for this yeah. evening. <laughs> if you want to blow up tank or a butt plug, Plugsland is where you want to go. Um, regardless uh sorry for that weird uh off ramp onto patrick i think you Uh, have uh, on the website move hot air up there is i mean (laughs) as a marketing specialist i'm okay with this sure sure um patrick you have a you have a uh uh um an excellent podcast uh called kill by kill i myself was once a guest on this very show as a friday the 13th Um, expert we kind of had it was mandatory that we had. You know? I mean, I was a moderator on a Friday the Thirteenth board <laughs> in the early two thousands. So, <laughs> oh my God, he 13th, never shows up about is it. A qualification, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, wow. yeah. Um, and also, dish by dish, which, as a fanable, I very much, very much enjoy. <laughs> but you can get them both on the same feed. Yes, yes. on the same feed. Yes. Um, but yeah. Patrick, would you like to briefly explain to our listeners what uh, Kill by Kill is? Sure. Kill by Kill is a a horror podcast where we talk about the genre's least discussed component, and that is characters. Characters who are designed to be killed off along the way, and often, you know, writers, performers, directors are trying to make them pop in some way, shape, or form, so their, their passing might be memorable. And sometimes those ideas work and sometimes they do not, but we judge them all in the order in which they pass off this earthly plane. Um, and you can find us wherever we have podcasts. We also do a side uh, uh, podcast that's on the same feed on our off weeks where we watch an episode of Hannibal. We call it Dish by Dish. And uh, we just enjoy all the pretty people and the knuckleheads they eat and the fanciful way in which they decorate dead bodies. <laughs> I'm just I'm picturing like Brian Fuller in the writers' room being like, "All right, who's the knucklehead we're eating this week?" <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the perfect way to describe it because yeah. Hannibal is the only show I've ever seen that makes violence into art. Yeah, in a very oh, particular. Yeah. Yeah, it is sense. one of my favorite television shows of all time. It is both gory and gorgeous. I mean, there's nothing yeah. ever that's going to be quite like it on its scale and the unique way it foisted its way onto the national broadcasting company on Friday yes. nights. It just, <laughs> yeah. like it should, just, it should not exist. And, but I'm so very happy it does. And while we watch a, a fair amount of horror that we love and then horror movies that we basically watch to make fun <laughs> of them, watching Hannibal yeah. is truly a joy. It's a wonderful palate cleanser, even though mm. what you're eating is, is human beings. You're not going to watch every movie in the Friday the 13th Nightmare and Halloween series without without a few pretty bad movies getting in the We're still holding in the off on Halloween. We just we can't oh, pull right. that yeah, trigger. Oh, that's right. You've only done I, you've only done Nightmare and there, Friday. There, there's a lot of movies in that in that middle section that people truly love. And the last thing I want to do is just rip Some apart the do. things that they enjoy. And I, I just I can't imagine us having the same fun time that we did with Nightmare on Friday with that particular series. So uh, I agree. we, we I, I, moved on to Scream. We just, we decided to get a little bit more modern is, with it. 
I think Scream uh, has a consistency of quality. Even the third one, which is lower, is not as low as most series get. Oh, yeah. Um, no, not by a long uh, But, But yeah, I agree. Uh, this is sort of a tangential thing. But I think Halloween at its worst is just so dull that it's almost yeah. impossible. to. At least Friday and Nightmare at their worst are like so bad that it's fascinating in a certain way. And, Halloween and there's so like, once you're taking Manhattan, you're like, <laughs> I, sure. I'm along for this boat ride. That is a most boat ride of this that fucking starts movie. in the lake and ends up on the shores of Manhattan, which borders the Atlantic Precisely. Ocean. Sure. Why not? Um, it, it, it's just one of those things where if we didn't watch them in the way we did, you, you kind of wouldn't notice all of the weirdness because particularly with Friday, because it starts filming in 1979 and Manhattan is released in 1989, you're getting these weird slices of time of what fashion was, what people thought was important, what touchstones you needed to hit. And it is a, a weird view of that particular decade. And then Nightmare on top of it is mm -hmm. one of those things where it's very fantastical. But a lot of those movies were just done so fast without a script during strikes. Just like we got we have a date. We, we got to push Freddy now that they just go off the rails at a certain yeah. point. Even the really good ones have ludicrous, you know, decisions that are being made. And the, it, it was a lot of fun to, to talk about, especially in that sort of stretch that way. Whereas something like Evil Speak. I would never want to break up into three or four episodes. Yeah. I would rather jump off a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Halloween, season of the witch notwithstanding, stays fairly like restrained almost. At least like totally. I, I, find, I find four through kind of four. Four is okay. Five and six, especially five, I find just boring yeah like i just don't it's like it. so it, yeah. filmed in utah it's just, yeah. <laughs> it just, it just the mormonism just leaks into the the movies and I, I know people who absolutely love them and they should i don't want to take away their joy but i don't sure. think i would find joy joking about them the same way i have even when in screen which these movies they're legitimately great a lot of them and but they are Talking about those characters is really interesting because people are trying to make those characters pop, give them points of view, and it's everything we still talk about just in a really great movie. <laughs> so yeah, it's a flip sure. side of, of what we handled with Friday and Nightmare to varying mm -hmm. degrees. And then, of course, there's the Leprechaun series. Sure. Um, uh, the number four in space, well, which we have covered, uh, in which uh, a robot sergeant... Uh, begins a drag show towards the end of it for no discernible reason, and it might be the most entertaining part. Uh, what if there was a reason? The, like that would be almost more bizarre to me. The beautiful thing about Kill by Kill is you'll you'll never run out of stuff. Even the most recent Fear Street series, which are blatant riffs on Friday and Scream, mm -hmm. like you'll never run out of things to talk about. Uh, I certainly hope so. And we're two of the oldest people on the internet talking about it. So if there's yeah. any point of view that obviously there, there are many places you can go that can uh, uh, hear yourself talk back about these things. But uh, if you have a Wikipedia or, or Google window open, you'll get a good half of our jokes. So please <laughs> check us out. And as evidenced by the fact that we went off on a long tangent about the show, I think it's a really fun show. And uh, so give it a listen. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to move over to uh, Brian and myself. Uh, Brian, do you have anything coming up in particular? Um, I know you you get that new baby life, so I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, um, got that new baby, that pandemic stand up life, which is still not... <laughs> um, a thing that's really safe or happening or worth it. Um, I'm not going to get a virus to go to a bar. Um, I don't know why I started talking like a pirate. I'm sorry. Um, so um, I'll just say that um, it's a charity I've plugged a couple times, um, but we cycle W E E cycle.org, uh, which gets uh, things like diapers and baby formula um, and things like that to uh, families in need and families experiencing homelessness mm. uh, with small children. 
so if you can donate to them either uh, in cash or if you are able to uh, in material, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I'll add that uh, uh, obviously every single episode we tend to do this, we deprioritize. We do have a Patreon. Yes. But if you have to choose between giving to our Patreon or giving to something like Amnesty International or something like that, where people like it's been a difficult year, 18 months yeah. for a lot of people. So I would encourage you to rather give to the charity instead of us. Um, but if you like this show, we welcome it as well. And um, if you send me a note that says, I specifically did not donate to a charity to send you money, I'm going to be very actually, weirded out. don't send a note. <laughs> Write that on your five-star written review of this podcast. <laughs> because that helps us move up the rankings, those five-star written reviews. So, yeah. Say, I, I donated to a charity instead of this show and put a five-star review on it. That's great. We love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but Zach, you also, you co-host Movie Trap. Uh, that's true. I co-host another movie, uh, another podcast, uh, sorry, uh, called Movie Trap, uh, in which me and my two co-hosts pick a theme. We pick th three movies within that theme. Each of us picks one. And, uh, at the end we vote on which is the best. Uh, so it might be let our significant others pick the theme for this round. Or it might be um, something like uh, movies you loved in high school, failed franchise starters. Um, and then upcoming, our Halloween round, which we do every year, uh, where we pick three horror movies in a spe uh, specific set. It could be from a specific time zone. It could be sequels. It could be about ghosts or, uh, you know, specifically slashers, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, uh, if you like this show, maybe listen to that. I don't know, Zach. Talking about horror movies on a podcast, that doesn't track for me, but all right. The rest of it sounds great. Hey, it's only it's only once a year unless somebody picks a horror movie at another time in the year. Sure. What was that fucking Jake Gyllenhaal identical twin movie? We watched that. Yeah, yeah no. It was called, I, I think, Enemy? Was it? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, I think that brings us to Judgment, which... Uh... Yes, it does. Uh, <laughs> it falls to me this week. Um, you know, uh, Operation Fortitude, obviously a an important moment in World War II. A um, lot of, uh, you know, counter-espionage and all the like to, to ensure the D-Day existed. But I also enjoyed, I have to admit... The uh, the obvious extension of the uh, silliness to make it truly a Looney Tunes gimmick against the Nazis, and then and then extending beyond that, <laughs> making it so that America failed to learn from what they learned in uh, World War II and turned it into something harmful harmful in the build up to the Iraq War. It just seems so true to what America is all about. Yeah, that's, so I, that's the fun. I think I, I think I do have to go for the, I think I'm going to go for the alt this time because I think the, the spirit of Operation Fortitude is uh, sort of uh, brought bare. In mm. the Acme version of events. If, if you do not learn from history, you are doomed to repeat it. And that's why we got a second Space Jam. <laughs> oh man i am I, i've seen so many clips of the cameos in that and i am uh, upset i threw it on our outdoor screen for my son and a couple of his cousins that were in town because we have an, an outdoor movie screen so it's very nice in these covid times that's sure. reasonably safe to way to watch movie but they decided they would watch it which i enjoyed because then i did not have to and yep. the silence that came from three <laughs> tween boys watching that movie, just dead silence, was like, if you can't make these dorks laugh, I, what is the point of this motion picture? And the point is corporate synergy. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm well, not like... I'll give it 
I'll give it one point. I'll bet Don Cheadle is better than anything in the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay, again, you you invite Don Cheadle to the party. Like, he's coming, you know, with his lampshade attached. Like, he is a professional. <laughs> he's going to make a meal of anything. That I don't doubt. Uh, yeah. he, he deserves all the flowers that come his way. But, oh, my God. It just... Like, I, slog. Yeah. I'm not typically one to be mad about, like, oh, they're misappropriating this intellectual property that I care about. But I saw, like, the clip of, I think it was Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote in Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. And I just said out loud, what the fuck? Well, there's no reference my 11-year-old loves more than Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there's something, that's the key to his funny bone. And uh, yeah, to be fair, uh, I did just vote for an alternate history that was all about Looney Tunes. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I am the perfect target audience. <laughs> for this movie. Oh, Zach, don't don't. That's um, bad self-talk. <laughs> hey, I could I could get a half a bottle of Jack Daniels down and, and throw this on and and forget about it the next morning. But enjoy it at the time. <laughs> Jesus. OK, <laughs> uh, I think that'll do it for the revisionist for this episode. Just the vision of Zach, I'm assuming, in his underwear, drinking half a bottle of... It's the only way for an adult to watch Space Jam 2. Open bathrobe, beer slippers, bear slippers, rather. Yeah, I can see this. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a great time. Uh, uh, Zach, thank you as always. Of course. Uh, For everyone here at The Revisionist, I'm Brian Flynn. I am Zach Powers. And have a good time. No, 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 go for it. Go for, do it. Do it. <laughs> no, it's weird. No, no. He's Patrick Hamilton. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Brian, give it the end. Give the outro. <laughs> oh, have a good time. August 7th, 768, Pope Stephen III is elected to office, and he lets the Cardinals know that on Fridays they can call him Pope Steve. August 7th, 1978, President Carter declares a federal emergency due to toxic waste in Love Canal. Fortunately, sexual innuendo wasn't invented until three years later. August 7th, 1890, Murderer Anna Mann's daughter becomes the only woman ever executed in Sweden. She had to build the chair herself with pictures and an Allen wrench. August 7th, 1782. George Washington orders the creation of the Badge of Military Merit to honor soldiers wounded in battle. It is later renamed the more poetic Purple Heart. I didn't research the reason for the name change, but the chance that it's weirdly racist is about 40%. August 7th, 1978. U.S. President Jimmy Carter declares a federal emergency at Love Canal due to toxic waste that had been disposed of negligently. A small earthquake was reported at LBJ's grave as he thought of all the absolutely vile toxic shock jokes he would have made if he were still president.